0: more of this in than we expect him to that always entertains me right when i've proof listened well anyway i guess we'll get this underway huh all right three two one hello and welcome to we the sheeple your bi-weekly podcast guide into the wild and wacky world of conspiracy theories and misinformation i'm your host trent jones and with me as always we have my co-host tom mcveigh
1: Pew 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 pew! Finger guns.
0: Oh, I like that energy. Um, and then, of course, silent but definitely real producer Devin. He, I don't know what to call this gesture he is doing to us. Um, Devin actually has the eyes of a sorceress, I would say, um, and he can peer to your very soul. It's it's kind of disconcerting, but you know, he's worth it. You either. We learned
1: to love it, or it could be a Stockholm syndrome kind of thing. We're not really sure, but you know, (laughs) that's where we're at.
0: So, well, we're here now, and he's in the room. And you know, I don't think we could fit his tentacles and his gaping maw through the door. So, he lives here now. It's impressive. It's, yeah, impressive (laughs) is a word for it. Anyway, Tom, do you know what we're talking about tonight? Um, trick question you don't because I planned it and I didn't tell or I actually did tell you didn't I you you like gave me some hints but
1: I don't listen when you talk usually so you sound like my mom that's a joke
0: because she actually like listened to the first few episodes of it so I'm gonna feel bad if she hears it and then it's like I raised him better than this spreading salacious (laughs) rumors well I guess I'll just tell you so on the back I don't know, Tom, if you pay attention to current events. But here in the old U.S. of A., uh, the great state of Texas. Oh, yeah. Don't mess um, with Texas. Yeah, a few weeks ago, they had some, some issues, shall we say. So there was like a huge national cold front, and they basically lost power. And on the backs of that, there was a lot of... I'm gonna call it information, but I think more than half of it, <laughs> it's safe to say, would be misinformation or mischaracterizations of what happened. Would Would you say that's
1: a good topic for a show about conspiracies and misinformation to uh, tackle, perhaps?
0: I'm still i'm I'm unsure. We'll talk about it. We'll We'll see. We'll see. We'll this yeah. at the end of the episode. Then. <laughs> that's <laughs> well, what we will either exist or it won't. So hmm. it's Schrodinger's podcast right now. Um, so. In any case, we're specifically, Tom, this week, going to take a look at wind turbines. They kill birds. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> they do kill birds. Um, so, first, I want to go into a little bit of background about... You know what? First, before we go into it, I wanted to say... So, this is... We've recorded most of our podcasts, like, way ahead of time. We had two or... three Two or three episodes recorded before we even put out the first one, at least, right? And that's how you were listening to our podcast about COVID, recorded in October,
1: <laughs> about four months later. Yes. That yeah, backlog.
0: So, this one's actually unique. We're pretty sure we're going to drop it, like, next in the order. So, this would be episode four, I think. Obviously, you, the listener, knows because uh, you were in the future. But basically because i saw all this floating around i wanted to get into it but all that to say we've actually gotten to see some of the response to the podcast and like seen all the metrics and stuff and it was really cool because the cool thing that happens with uh the spotify tool anchor we've been using is it'll show you the demographics that where the accounts basically for spotify are registered to and how many people in each region are listening and it was really cool we got like some we got one from uh sweden we got one from iceland there was a minute where we almost ditched this whole thing to become an icelandic conspiracy podcast only dude i am not joking like when <laughs> when i first saw that that icelandic listen was real at first i thought it was just like a, a glitch or something with it yeah um but as soon as i figured out that it was real i immediately went to like the iceland <laughs> wikipedia page to just learn i'm not gonna lie iceland sounds pretty legit I think that's gonna be our next
1: big vacation. We we had a layover there when we went to Ireland and it seems like a pretty neat place.
0: But all that being said, we would love to hear from any of you listeners, particularly from those that are from that don't know us that are from places that we don't live. That would be pretty cool to hear from you. Um Yeah, we've seen a few different places around mm-hmm. both our country and the world. We had one from Spain. That was cool. We had we had I think it was just one person in Great Britain, but they I think they listened to the entire, all three episodes that were out at that point. Nice. But in any case, yeah, it was cool. We'd love to hear from you. It would be pretty neat. Either reach out to us on Twitter or send us an email, both of which are in the episode descriptions. Yeah, they are. So, in any case, back on target. Back on target, Tom. You're, you got
1: off target. I not we do wouldn't that be
0: this podcast if we didn't strike while the iron was lukewarm at best (laughs) um that's generous so here we go let's get into it so a little bit of background on what happened in texas so it was the it was in mid-february um it was between the 10th and the 17th when all this was going down at least the storms and there were these like pretty unprecedented uncharacteristically harsh winter storms that hit Not even just the south or Texas, but even up here where we live in Ohio, we had a few... We had probably the most snow and the worst winter weather that I have witnessed yet living in Toledo.
1: Yes, I can remember a couple times growing up where we got like a fair amount of snow, but that that was up there. I think there was like 20 some inches of snow on the ground at one point. Yeah, it was took me like three hours to dig our cars out
0: that was fun i only got my car stuck twice okay nice. <laughs> my retired neighbor had to rescue me <laughs> the, the one time But that was it was a great feeling of accomplishment you know just two men shoving a car out of the snow just driving me feeling over like car, a man. fool yeah i was like literally bottomed out on the snow it was That's pretty funny. wild um but in any case so these this recordly bad, um, historically bad winter storm swept through most of the United States. Um, and in particular, it hit, uh, the South harshly because obviously the South in the United States is not really prepared for that type of snore, sn- snore, that type of snow. And I would say generally you wouldn't expect them to be in a general year if they get one day or even a week of snow like that, you know, you shut down school for a week. People maybe don't go to work for a week and it would be, it'd be fine. Not a big deal. You can't, can't really drive, right. whatever.
1: Just like sidebar real quick. I know we make fun of them down on like Georgia when they shut the state down for some snow, but it makes sense if you think about it. They don't have the infrastructure. If you lived in Georgia or Florida, why would you have salt and plow trucks yeah. and stuff when it doesn't happen?
0: It would be kind of silly if they did. It would be like, like us having a right.
1: hurricane preparedness plan up here. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. So, right so that was me being fair for one second it's going to end for quickly. one second yeah
0: um so these storms were actually like really bad um they brought record low temperatures sometimes and this is specifically i believe in texas uh temperatures at zero degrees fahrenheit and which is negative 18 celsius Ooh. so very cold well below the freezing point of water
1: can i get a soft topic again yes please I would like to make an official endorsement for the We the Sheeple podcast. Ooh, add it. Add it
0: to the list of mystery cults and the other one that I don't remember. The metric system. Ooh, yes. Well, metric... I'll say Celsius doesn't really make any... I mean, it makes a little bit more sense than Fahrenheit, but only just because they picked 0 and 100 for... Freezing and boiling I don't again.
1: know how ounces work. I don't know how pounds work. I don't These know why are, there's this is different fair. ounces and pounds and... I will agree with liquid you. Liquid and...
0: Yeah. Metric. I will agree Base with 10. you on everything except for Celsius over Fahrenheit. If anything, we should use Kelvin. But that's my own soapbox because the zero points are relative, so then it's the whole thing. It's a whole thing. Any science nerds are probably laughing at us right now because... But in any case, getting off topic on our preferred uh, measurement uh, systems of choice. Um, give me stones or give me death. It got it got, it got real chilly, <laughs> real nippy down in down in the old Texas, um, and so these freezing cold temperatures that lasted for a super long time. Like I said, record low temperatures. They, this hasn't hardly happened in recorded since they started taking temperatures. Um, and these caused massive failures in the utility infrastructure, um, particularly in Texas. Um, and most notably in the electric power grid, right? So according to, uh, the electric reliability council of Texas, or, uh, ERCOT. I I don't know if that's how people actually say it, but that's how I'm going to say it. Um, which I think I've seen them floating around a few times in the news. Um, The Texas power grid was seconds or minutes away from a catastrophic and complete failure of the Texas grid and necessitated partial shutdowns. Also called brownouts. Mm -hmm. Um, Brownout being they intentionally shut off power. Um, Typically it's because there's not enough supply and they'll over, or they'll overload uh, their system infrastructure. That's opposed to a blackout, which is unintentional and is bad. (laughs) They couldn't give you power if they wanted to. Um, So these shutdowns left an estimated 5 million in Texas and 4.7 million in Mexico without power for days at a time. um, For many people. And I don't know, we probably have a better line of sight of this than people that live in warmer climates. But I don't know if you've ever lived in a house when the furnace just happened to stop working for a period of time. Um I know in this house we had a the fuse like that was supplying our furnace with electricity like pooped out. Ew. So our furnace wasn't like on all night and so yeah. I got up in the morning and it is cold. Yeah, I'd it got that. to I think it was 50 degrees in our house and that was over 12 hours in right the cold temperature. So you can imagine I mean, inside of your home is going to get very cold very fast. Particularly in those climates, you maybe don't have great insulation.
1: Yeah, as I was going to say that, I mean, we were somewhat insulated up here. I'm glad our furnace has never went out.
0: We've lost the air conditioner
1: twice in the summer, and that was (laughs) also pretty brutal. Yeah. Led to me driving two and a half hours to buy a part. (laughs) (laughs) It was worth it. (laughs) Necessary. The hottest day of the year, of course. Yeah, we're
0: actually kind of in a unique part of the globe where we actually have... I don't want to say harsh winters, but we get very cold in the winter and pretty warm in the summer, so yeah, we'll that's get awesome. We'll regularly get below freezing for you know a long time in the winter and then we'll get you know high upper eighties and nineties in the summer
1: and humid
0: and very humid yeah it's almost like draining a swamp to build a city
1: might have been a poor idea. The black swamp will rise again
0: um but in any case, so yeah completely unacceptable for modern life as we know it to be without power for that long it's just we're not equipped to handle it right i mean everything in our house is electric at this point um which isn't a bad thing it's just bad when the electricity stops working
1: clearly it's not a bad thing if you ignore the state of the power grid as a whole
0: yeah yeah i not
1: get into that at all
0: so one of the really big things to note well first let me we'll dovetail into this Republican politicians in particular were quick to immediately blame alternative sources of energies for the failures, um, saying that they're not reliable. They can't be trusted. They're not a good way to generate electricity. We'll talk about it a little bit more, but that's largely completely false. I mean, yes, the wind, many wind turbines and solar panels were out of commission during that time, but so were natural gas and fossil fuel plants. Um, they also froze over and were inoperable. So I think it was, I remember one figure, don't quote this as science because I just, I saw this at one point, but I couldn't, I couldn't give you a source right now um, that there was an estimated 60% failure in renewable sources, particularly windmills and like a 40% failure rate in um, fossil fuels and which fossil fuel plants at this point are primarily going to be um, natural gas. And some coal, too, I assume? Probably more rarely. Anything that's new is going to be natural gas. Yeah. Um, so this is a whole thing. But for energy infrastructure now, natural gas, since fracking became a thing um, and new technologies, that made basically the basement of mm-hmm. fallout of natural gas. So it's so cheap to, right. to run natural gas right now because they found new technologies to find more natural gas that wasn't available before. So all of a sudden you have this massive increase in supply, hence prices drop down a lot, which you can say was good or bad, but it puts us in the position where now where we're heavily reliant on natural gas. Um, i say just to dovetail back to
1: those uh, two numbers, if they were close or whatever, <laughs> someone be like, well, oh, 60% of the renewable resources failed and only 40% of the natural gas. But if you look at the what I assume is the makeup of the energy supply in Texas, 40% of natural gas is going to be a heck of a lot more energy than 60% of renewables failing.
0: I would guess. Yeah. I didn't, I don't know if I actually looked I'll up say the that breakdown. Confidently. But, I
1: don't even care.
0: But I'm pretty sure. I'll yeah. tell me that. I'll call it. So the funny part is Texas actually has a pretty high amount of alternative energy sources compared to many other parts of the country, particularly because they're in a great place for wind turbines. Mm-hmm. Um, the Great Plains states, which much of Texas is very flat. There's not a whole lot of forested area. So that's a lot of good run up for very even streams of wind to come across the country. Um, And we'll talk about how wind turbines work and why that's really beneficial, but they actually have a pretty high percentage of renewables because wind power is so good in those areas that Mm -hmm. it's actually cost effective. Um, But We'll come back to that. We'll circle back. So what I want to cover is there's a lot of misinformation flying around, particularly about wind turbines, because many people with an agenda, I would say, took this power outage and tried to blame the issues that were seen on this form of electricity that, for whatever reason, they don't like. So... Here's what we'll do. We'll cover a little bit into energy infrastructure. I'm going to try not to get too carried away because I find this stuff really fascinating. It's like a huge engineering marvel, modern marvel, and it's really fun to talk about for somebody who (laughs) went through engineering school. Um, But we'll try not to get too bogged down, and then we'll come back around to some of the things that have been said about wind turbines and why they're incorrect. So, as with many forms of electrical electrical generation um that's what you would call it on a mass scale when you're providing power um wind turbines work by rotating copper coils um in the presence of a magnetic field so when i say a copper coil it's literally just a bunch of bound up wire copper wire um and then a magnetic field is in the presence of a magnet is this
1: like the basis of all like generators yes
0: so the vast majority of electrical generation is conducted in that way where you're moving somehow you're moving a um, copper coils in respect to a magnetic field that causes a current to be uh, produced.
1: It's like voodoo, man.
0: It's uh, yeah. If you ever take like an electricity and uh, magnetism course, like I physics, two is where we covered that for you my schooling. It is buck wild. E&M is like... Because they're, the weirdest part is that they're all connected. Electricity and magnetism are not separate. They're right. in many ways run together. Um, and so in certain... These are laws that you learn about in physics. One called Lenz's Law and another called Faraday's Law. They kind of quantify in different ways how much current and what the resulting force of rotating... Um, So when you rotate that coil in the magnetic field, there's actually a force that resists the motion. So kind of imagine if you're, if you had like a, if you're in like a paddle boat, you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Where you have the little pedals on the lake. Right, right, right. Kind of imagine that you have this, so you're trying to spin that uh, paddle Mm -hmm. in respect to the water. There's actually a force that's resisting you to do that, right? Right. Um, It's the same with magnetism. Um which is that's another super interesting thing. It's oftentimes called electromagnetic braking. Um it's really cool. It's really cool.
1: If you guys could see how hard he's nerding out right now. I, it's
0: very exciting to me. Uh yeah, look up electromagnetic braking. There's some really cool So basically like you could drop a magnet down like a copper pipe and it would fall slowly because it it induces a current and it's taking energy it's it's cool. Trust me. <laughs> But in any case, uh, so all of those things, there's many ways to define what the forces look like, how much current you get out for how fast the turbine spins and, spins and all that. Um, and so a really interesting thing is that in the typical setup for a turbine, so obviously you're going to rotate in a circle, right? Because by rotating the shaft in a circle, you can repeat that motion without having to do any sort of a reset, right? Mm-hmm. So think about if you had a bunch of magnets set up in a line and you moved the copper coil in a straight line parallel to them, you would still generate electricity because you're moving the coil with respect to the magnet. But then at some point, you're going to run out of space, right? And you're going to have to either go back the other way or figure out some other way to do it. So the best way to do it is to just do it in place in a circle. The really funky part is that that makes the default current that's produced AC because your magnet or your coils are going to be switching from whether they're in a positive magnetic field or a negative magnetic field. And that induces a different type of current.
1: For those of you that don't speak engineering, nerdy stuff that is alternating current yes, versus AC. direct current. Yes.
0: AC is alternating current. It's very bizarre, but you can think of it as if the flow is rapidly switching from one way back to another. So it's oscillating back between positive and negative
1: current. Would it look like a sine wave almost? Yes, exactly.
0: It is defined by a sine wave. Um, This is deep math stuff we're we're getting in. But I think it's interesting. If I can understand it, you can too, guys. It's fascinating. Just, you know, watch a Khan Academy video on it. It's super interesting. Um, (laughs) So like I said, pretty much every form of electrical generation works that way. One glaring exception is solar panels. Photovoltaic uh, solar panels don't work that way. That's a whole nother bag of worms. That's very complicated. We're not going to touch on that. Um, so the big question is how you make the coil spin, right? Mm-hmm. So we know we can generate electricity. You just have to figure out where you're going to get that energy from to make those coils spin.
1: Ooh. Ooh. I know how that works. In yeah. Any plants. So this
0: is how you, this is where you come into some thermodynamics. So thermodynamics is just the study of how energy is moving. That's the most basic way to define what thermodynamics is. Um, And so it's huge in energy generation because thermodynamics, a lot of the time, will tell you how much energy you could theoretically get out of whatever circumstance you're looking at. So typically, for fossil fuels, what they'll do, and there's several other forms that kind of mimic this, but the typical traditional way to do it is through what's called a heat cycle. So you'll somehow heat up a material. More often than not, you're burning some sort of fossil fuel. Mm-hmm. Maybe way back in the day you did it with wood and a steam engine kind of deal. But today you're going to use natural gas like we talked about because it's very cheap and uh, it does burn cleaner than coal. It doesn't burn clean. clean coal. Yeah, don't even get me started <laughs> on that. Um, but so you're the only reason you need those fossil fuels is because you need to be able to heat up a fluid, which is usually water. You generate steam. This steam can then be fed through a turbine. Mm-hmm. It can extract spin from the steam, right? So you're extracting energy, uh, turning it in from the uh, the heat energy that is in the steam. You're transferring that into rotation that you can then take, turn a an electric turbine mm-hmm. and generate power. It's a whole thing. It's also how a nuclear
1: reactor works.
0: Yes, nuclear reactors do the exact same thing. They heat up water. By the decay of radioactive material. Right. And you need actually
1: create steam or pressurized reactors. Yes. Which you're... Don't need it on Yeah, either. this is a whole
0: nother rabbit hole. Maybe we'll do... That's for the
1: uh, the Chernobyl episode. Yeah. Um, Check it out. It doesn't exist yet, but it'll exist eventually. Keep listening.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. obviously, with wind turbines, that's why they need to spin. You need to be able to turn those coils in the magnetic field to generate electrical uh, current you use as electricity to power all your devices so wind turbines are actually a great way to do it right mm-hmm. the one of the best things about a wind turbine is you don't have to feed it any expensive fossil fuel it's true it's i don't I, I use this lightly other than maintenance and other things you have to do to keep it up it's free power right so you build the wind turbine you don't have to keep feeding it to generate power the wind gives you the power um So there's two main categories of wind turbines that I'm going to touch on. There might be other ones. These are the two that I'm familiar with and I think are the most used. So what many of you might think of in a windmill, like if you think about the stereotypical, like, is that, where was that? Is that Denmark? It's somewhere. Yeah, I
1: think Denmark. It's not Nordic,
0: but it's Northern Europe before you get into Scandinavia. I can't remember where, but wherever it is. Um, those types of windmills with big sails on them Mm -hmm. are what you would call a drag windmill. So they basically will catch the air and take energy out of the wind by inducing drag and transferring that drag into motion. Right. So kind of like a kite. Exactly. A kite is a great example. Um, or a parachute, a parachute parachute. is a drag inducing device. So you induce drag, drag, uh, gives you an upward force that's against gravity which slows you down right Mm -hmm. so the wind is moving relative to the parachute which induces drag you fall slower um they basically work on that same that same idea the other way is through a lift turbine so lift is weirder than drag and harder to conceptually understand because there's not really a great touch point for most people the best thing the best way you can kind of maybe understand it is through airplanes that's how airplanes work um so there's we're getting into fluids now which is a whole another part of (laughs) engineering which is fluid if you want to talk about witchcraft fluids is even weirder because they're impossible to understand and model and it's this whole thing but basically you can if you have a flowing fluid The pressure that that fluid flows at is related to the speed that the fluid is flowing at. And it's all kind of tied together through, there's the Bernoulli principle, which is kind of a whole part of this. But, so what you can do is you can design a shape that as wind flows across it, you have slower wind going on the bottom and you have faster wind going over the top. So the way you do that is you design the shape with a longer path to travel over on the top. So the fluid has to go faster over the top to meet back up on the other side in the same amount of time. um, Which in turn gives it lower pressure on the top. And you design a shorter path on the bottom so it's lower speed than the wind that's going over the top. Which then means that there's higher pressure on the bottom. That pressure, resulting pressure, acts as a force pushing up on the wing, which in turn is lift. That's what lift is. So basically you're manipulating wind in such a way that you can create a resultant force that is going to push on the shape. They're called airfoils. That's a whole other thing if you wanted to look at it. It's called an airfoil.
1: I think I don't trust airplanes anymore. That's
0: pretty neat. I don't know. I don't think I trust it. I think I'm done flying. (laughs) I don't know how to help you. Um, the funniest part about it is like, we think of like fighter jets as being like the best airplanes, like the highest cutting edge. They're actually some of the worst aerodynamically like designed (laughs) airplanes in the sense of efficiently creating lift because you want to be more maneuverable with shorter wings and Mm -hmm. everything more streamlined. Um, so they just compensate for that by slapping a gigantic engine on the back, and
1: that's pretty American, though. It's pretty American, yeah.
0: I personally think the best
1: airplane is the little, the ones with the little propellers on the front. <laughs> yeah. I don't know the function of them, plane? but when I was in South Africa, I got to go on an aerial safari in one, and that was pretty cool.
0: So a prop plane is like a reverse windmill.
1: So hey. you're spinning,
0: you're spinning the, um, you're spinning the propeller by use of an engine in the wind, which in turn is creating that resultant force pushing you forward and then that can and you can also still get lift out of those planes too. There's a whole thing.
1: But welcome to our new podcast, airplane talk. Yeah, airplane
0: chat. Um how how stuff do? How, how stuff, stuff do, do good um okay. So generally what you see today are lift turbines. They have faster spinning blades which are thinner because you want that speed speed mm-hmm. is better the faster you spin the turbine generally the fat the more electricity you get out what would you say got to go fast got to go fast sanic <laughs> um, so i there's, am speed there's a bunch of different considerations as to why windmills are the size and shape that they are that's a fascinating topic i think there is a minute physics video actually that i found when i was doing this research that was pretty recent but That kind of explains why you want them as big and everything Mm -hmm. as they look today. Fascinating. But that's what you have today. You have lift turbines. So the wind flies over the windmill wings. You generate lift, which you engineer the blades of the wind turbine in such a way that the lift is going to push the turbine in one direction to spin, right? And induce that rotation. The rotation turns the copper coils with respect to a magnetic field, generating electric current, Bingo bongo! You have electric current that you can send out to homes, and you're there.
1: Very important question. Yes. What direction do they spin?
0: I there's probably a convention. I don't. And is it the other one in Australia? (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Tired. Um, you could theoretically have them spin in either direction. Like I said, I'm sure there's a standard. Same
1: way, probably, or maybe it's like not standard. It's like proprietary, like. Thinking it could be GE windmill. It's going clockwise. Hey, that
0: could totally, you're, you're like making jokes, but there's, I'm not though. Yeah. It's like, there's a lot of situations in engineering where specific companies do things a specific way because they do it that way. So
1: like I work at a nuclear plant, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a GE one, I think don't Ooh. call me out coworkers. Um, and there's like no go zones where you're not allowed to go into because there's like sensitive equipment or whatever. And they paint a barrier around it. Right. Yeah. It's green. Oh, the air. (laughs) Everywhere in GE plants, green means don't go. That's strange. Isn't that weird? That's counterintuitive. 100%. That's what I'm thinking. GE, their
0: windmills, they probably go a weird direction. The opposite of... uh... They probably go left. I don't know if... I'm sure GE makes... I know that. I'm pretty sure they do. Well, I would imagine they would probably make the the turbine part of the windmill. They may not make the blades and all that. I don't know. They could. Then there's gearboxes and stuff, too, which is a whole other thing but that's a different episode of Trent's engineering talk. (laughs) Um, Okay. So we have lift turbines. We we make them big because big is good. They go fast. So the preferred for preferred modern applications. And when I say this, they're different for, they will literally um, you do research like years in advance. You have to get um, like years worth of data for wind speeds at different times of the year and everything all to figure out the best type of wind turbine to put in a place with respect to size, how big of a generator you want to throw on the windmill. All of these different factors go into account when you're designing for a specific windmill installation. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, these are multi, multi multi-million dollar installations. You want to make sure you're spending the money to build the right windmill that's going to give you the most power per dollar in a specific location. That being said... Preferred in these modern applications, Um, the sizes, this is the diameter of the blades. Um, So if you drew a circle around all three of the blades, that's the diameter they're talking about. Range from 40 to 90 meters, which is 120 feet to 200 feet. It's a lot bigger than I thought. Massive. Yeah. So that means the tip speed. So the speed that, the linear speed that the tip of the blade is moving at any given time is like. Can I guess? Go ahead.
1: 300 miles an hour
0: you're not that far off. I think it's like 200 miles. It's ridiculously fast. Like it might look like they're not, when you look at them, they're not spinning that fast, but they're like, it's cooking. 150 feet long also. And a linear. Yeah. That's insane. It's, it's wild. Um, so big. Yeah. And so in certain areas, like I was talking about certain areas, windmills are going to be more practical than others because they have not just more wind, but better wind. Um, if you get really turbulent wind or speeds that are too fast that can endanger uh, wind turbines, that may be why. You may you may say, I live in a really windy part of the world and there's like no windmills around here. I would say oh. it's either because government regulation has said no or there may be a real practical reason they don't want to put windmills there because maybe the wind is too unpredictable mm-hmm. um, to be safe to install a windmill in that spot. That's why sometimes on super-duper windy days... So wind turbines will have a cut in speed and a cut out speed. So the cut in is where they deem it worth it to let the windmill turn and generate power. The reasons why you wouldn't want to do that below is you'd be generating so little electricity. It's not worth the risk of having the windmill spinning. Cause every time you're spinning that windmill, it's at a higher risk of something breaking mm-hmm. than just, if it's sitting still.
1: That's just like general wear on it too. Right. right. Like yeah.
0: So. And you're wearing parts for no reason. Um, And then the cutout speeds are, from what I was just talking about, it can be too dangerous to have these windmills spinning at those times because you don't want to break something. Or overload the generator.
1: Or have the windmill turbines fly off and destroy (laughs) a small town.
0: Yeah, because I'm sure that happens. Um, It
1: sounds like a good movie. Does it? Yeah.
0: But in any case, so that's (laughs) the big crash course on turbines. And then just a little background onto... So just to give you a little bit more information about why why people are right to blame the infrastructure regulators and politicians who had the choices to make in Texas's power group. I want to kind of explain why we should be upset with them and why they did things wrong. So um, power generation, the one of the most difficult things about it is you... Generally speaking, you cannot store electricity. So, and you might be saying, well, what about batteries? Yes, you can store electricity in certain methods. What I'm saying is, on a commercial scale, there aren't great options. Batteries are very expensive. Um, There's other different ways you can store. So one of the ways is you can pump water uphill, basically, because then you can, if you install a, a hydroelectric generator at the bottom, you can get electricity back out of the water basically huh. it's yeah it's funky so there's all sorts of different ways you can store electricity but it's never going to be like 100% efficient it's never 100% efficient there's always going to be losses along the way That's... and it can be very costly and we simply don't have that infrastructure mm-hmm. built right now um so one of the biggest challenges is you have to try to anticipate demand instantaneously so what I mean by that is you don't exactly know how much electricity people are going to want to use at any given time, but you have to try and generate that exact amount.
1: So fun little anecdote. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard this before, but it always cracks me up over in um, like England. They know about when like a big soccer match is going to get to halftime. So they like prepare the grid for the influx of power that's going to be from people putting their uh, electric tea kettles on. Yeah
0: yeah it's kind of crazy it's stuff like that that's you would never think about and it's something as minute as that that's why if you live in a place that gets really bad um um heat waves mm-hmm. sometimes the you'll get brownouts and stuff during that because they simply cannot generate enough electricity to keep up with everybody wanting to run their ac simultaneously
1: oh for sure and like at work there's like days where if it's really hot or really cold like we'll have to turn off like half the lights in the planet. Like we're conserving energy, even just like company wide, just so you you get the most out to the customer. Now there
0: might be a profit in some too, too. I don't know (laughs) who could say, Um, but in any case, that's the huge challenge with electricity generation. I think that's really interesting. That whole, it's fascinating. And that's that's one of the really big barriers to um, many of these, particularly wind and solar, because you can't control when the sun's going to come out. Right. The sun doesn't shine in most places the same every single day the wind doesn't blow every single day. You can't instantaneously meet that demand all the time. Mm -hmm. That's one of the reasons, that's one of the big barriers that renewables face. That's why new technology, um, for energy storage and such needs, needs work too. So that if you have a really windy day, you could run all those turbines full tilt, you know, charge up your, uh, your storage stations. And then in off in off days when you don't have as great a wind, you can draw on that power. Um, so that admittedly is a downfall of those two forms of uh, alternative energy in particular. And they're not as good at um, fluctuating with demand, right? Mm-hmm. One of the other big things with solar is the time that you get the most electricity is going to be during the day, right? Because mm-hmm. during the afternoon. That is when the sun is out. Right. It's common <laughs> sense. It's when the sun's out in the greatest, uh, the greatest intensity. But the problem is people tend to use electricity. They tend to use a lot more electricity in the evening, which is when you're, you're not getting your peak performance out of your solar panels. That's another reason that even if we had enough solar panels to service, uh, the amount of power we needed at a given time, you'd have to have an energy storage solution just to be able to shift that usage Mm -hmm. curve to match up.
1: So I also throw this in there and I, want to have a house with a solar roof someday so i'm in no way like against solar uh, mm-hmm. panels but they're not the most environmentally friendly thing like some people try to sell it there's a lot of rare earth metals and nasty stuff that goes into making them and mm-hmm. generally those are mined in places with a uh, less than stellar environmental regulations so
0: right and these are all things it's it's the reason we need to be We need to be investing more heavily in the research for them. Because quite frankly, we don't have good enough solar panels and good enough wind turbines.
1: There's not like a magic bullet that's going to fix all the not We need to have a mixed portfolio, but there are pros and cons to all of it.
0: Solar panels have the most potential right now to be better because Mm -hmm. there's a lot more room for improvement. Wind turbines are actually pretty well optimized the way they are. They're pretty close to the best you can make them, at it least the way that a, we do them right a now. That's
1: storage issue at that point.
0: Right. We need better storage. We need to invest more into solar, uh, not just installing solar panels, but making the technologies better. So we need to fund research to make them better. Mm-hmm. And we need to just be more creative. We need to... There's a whole host of things we need to do to actually move towards um, renewables. And not just because... The environment that's the chief concern but because renewables in the long run can be cheaper
1: mm-hmm. and like energy independence too yeah they're, a thing. they're
0: better um electrical devices so for instance a natural gas water heater from an energy perspective they're actually much less efficient anything that's going to burn a fossil fuel is going to be much less efficient than an electrical device electrical devices are much better at converting all the energy you put in into the heat energy that you want to use.
1: Man, I read this article the other day. It really bummed me out because I never thought about it. Mm-hmm. Natural gas stoves are like not good for the environment at all. But I yeah, love it, dude. They're bad.
0: I love having the fire. Yeah, and, I. It's nice, but yeah, it's all the stuff we got to think about. It's, yeah, it just bummed me out when I read it's that. It's the small sacrifices we kind of right. all have to make. Um, but that's all to say, moving to renewables shouldn't just be considered. A green movement or an environment saving movement, they can be better for people. Oh, for sure, it can be better for all of us in general. Like Um, electric
1: cars, one hundred percent in for that. But
0: right, we can get there. It'll be better for people, and it can be cheaper for people. Um. So, those are some of the monumental challenges that kind of go around with energy infrastructure. So, we're gonna talk about why did Texas have such colossal failures? Oh, I'm so excited. So the big reason that they had these, if you look at a map of the U.S. electrical grid, you can see that most of the eastern half of the United States is all connected to the same grid. Most of the western half of the United States is all connected to the same grid. Trent, why do you say most of? I I should say all of, except for Texas. (laughs) Texas. and i think there's like a little sliver that goes into like oklahoma or yeah, something i think the they have like two states, but...
1: dc connections into the western grid if i'm remembering correctly but yeah
0: but generally speaking they're not a lot. they're isolated yeah. um the reason you want to have a large interconnected grid is so say there's an earthquake tomorrow here in ohio say whatever the top 10 energy producing uh facilities in our region you know, the top 10 within 500 miles are out of commission for any length of time. Yes, you would still have probably be at a lack of energy, but an interconnected grid means you could, within reason, transmit power to places you needed it that you couldn't generate it at the time, right? So you could say, oh crap, all 10 of these have gone down. Hey, you call over to Indiana you say, hey, increase your capacity so we can forward some energy down the line. It's not quite that simple, but generally speaking, that's how it works. That's one of the reasons a large interconnected grid is good because it helps you deal with those weird fluctuations you can see in in power draw and in, in demand. Texas is mostly not connected to the grid. Like you said, there are A sparse few areas where like emergency points where they are connected to both the east and the western grid of the united states Mm -hmm. but primarily they're not in any functional capacity connected to the eastern or western grid the reason is because if you're not american i don't know if you would be familiar with this stereotype but texas has this attitude of you know don't mess with texas we're the best you know the funny thing everybody about, else looks to us we don't need anybody else we're independent you know step out of our step out of our lives
1: the funny thing about don't mess with texas is it started as an anti littering campaign <laughs> that's where it came from like a psa in the 70s about not <laughs>
0: throwing your crap out your car along with the insensitive ad with the crying native american yeah. um well, are you talking about I the interstate commerce clause is that involved i'm assuming no, I didn't get too deep into the whole Texas thing because there were other funnier. Um, well, I just assume that's too. why. So for
1: those that didn't take the law class, commerce or Congress has the power to regulate interstate commerce, which oh, is how yes, yes, yes. a lot okay. of regulations have got started and created. And I believe, I would assume, Texas doesn't connect their grid, so they can get away from right.
0: It. So when you're not doing business over state lines, that gives you a larger leeway it gives the federal government less jurisdiction to Mm -hmm. tell you what you can and can't do. So what Texas did is they kind of flew in the face of general convention with the rest of the country. There's these things called engineering standards we would talk about. So basically there's some of them are dictated by law. So like you're talking about federal regulation often dictates what you can and can't do, how you have to build something. If you're, a good example of this would be building codes. Mm -hmm. Um, if you've ever done renovation, you may, or you've bought a house, you may hear somebody say, Oh, this isn't up to code. So local municipalities and states often dictate these housing codes, which say half how you have to build a house. And there's almost always a reason why you have to do it that way. Either it's a safety concern. Typically it's a safety concern. Right. Um, some sometimes they get a little bogged down and ridiculous because something happens once that was a dumb mistake, but you regulate it because lawsuits. Um, but generally speaking, many of the many of the regulations and the codes that you have to follow are there for a reason. It's because it, they want to control you. No, darn. It's because it's either the best way to do it, um, and it protects a consumer. Say, mm-hmm. it it tells a car manufacturer that they can't make something in a dangerous way or sell you a product that is dishonest or in a circumstance like this with infrastructure, make sure your, your bridge isn't going to fall down or your power is not going to show off for a week when it's below freezing. Very practical example. example, (laughs) Um, so generally speaking, Texas chose to isolate their grid. So they didn't have to deal with this kind of federal, federal regulation. What that means is they skirted a lot of the ways that they should have built their electric power grid mm-hmm. that were in the best interest to make sure that things like these catastrophic failures can't happen, because when you're building something, a lot of the ex- a lot of expense goes into these extra things that you have to do to build it up to code,
1: like fail safes and such. Right.
0: So I mean, if I'm building if I'm building a table in my garage, I might be okay with and just say, eh, it's good enough. If you're selling a table to someone and it breaks and could hurt them you could face a massive lawsuit you're liable for that injury so you will way over engineer it to make sure that it won't break generally Mm -hmm. speaking right that adds a lot of cost but that cost is justified by the fact that you're you're based for more or less you're idiot proofing it you're you're building it to a point where you know that it's not going to be able to fail The problem with how Texas did a lot of these things is they would cut corners to cut costs, which is good. I mean, you want to save as much money as you can, but the corporation's always going to try to save money when they can because a corporation's entire purpose for being uh, is to make money. Um, Some might say that means we shouldn't trust them quite as much as we do, but the point being that they did a lot of these things, they cut corners to cut costs, but they made their grid susceptible to things like this. So they actually had a situation, um, I think it was a few years ago, where they had a similar... I don't, I don't remember if it was caused by a winter storm or not, but they had a similar situation where they had... They had a large power failure. I mm-hmm. think it was
1: when the Super Bowl was happening. I believe it's happened. I was wondering if you we were going to touch on this. I think it was ice storms. I want to say it's happened not once, but twice in the last 20 years.
0: And they were investigations I don't remember if they were federal investigations no, or ERCOT. Texas I think it was ERCOT, ERCOT I but believe. they the recommend overwhelming recommendation was you could have a major failure winterize if you don't winterize your grid <laughs> winterizing are these extra precautions I'm talking about that you have to pay for to make sure that your grid can operate in extreme these conditions extreme conditions and you might say but Trent they live in Texas. These were unprecedented storms. It would be unreasonable for them to have expected this and built it. And I'm going to say to you, that's not how engineering works. Generally and I'll speaking, say you, was
1: not unprecedented. It happened twice.
0: It wasn't as bad as they had, but it did happen. They had warning signs. But what I'm saying is it's not, it's not ridiculous to expect them oh, to have sure. done it. Because the rule in engineering is you need to think of these things. When power generation... And even natural gas supply, water, all of these pieces of infrastructure are critical to life. You can, and people did die in Texas because they didn't have access to gas and heat and water. When things are that critical, it's kind of... When things are that critical, you have to build them in this completely airtight way. That barring, you know... the world imploding these things are going to work in unprecedented conditions
1: that's what was kind of shocking to me watching it all from afar like with my experience working in nuclear like there are so many fail safes on fail safes on fail safes and redundancies right like, every safety system ha- system has like a second division and a backup and a backup backup and a backup 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 right and i understand you know the catastrophic nature of if something goes wrong right. is bad but I was like, so wait, these other things, they're still providing, like you said, an essential service. They don't,
0: like, that's all it took? Right. It knocked yeah. them out? <laughs> so we should be upset. Right? Because it's not unreasonable for them to have prepared for that. Maybe not reasonably expected that it was going to happen, but you have to prepare for it in that way. It's, I mean, it's like your car. They have to put fail safes in place. They don't expect one of their parts to fail on the highway and they don't manufacture them in such a way that you would expect it. Maybe one in 20 million is going to fail in this spectacular right. way, but they have to put in fail safes expecting that that could happen. Or it's like, cause this, you're going to kill someone. If you don't, you could might, kill someone.
1: I don't know if this is a good, like analogy or not, but it's like, you're going to get a surgery. Mm-hmm. Maybe something super simple. The surgeon does it all the time. Do they need to go to school for 10 years to do that thing? Probably not. Are you glad they know all that extra stuff that could go wrong when they're mm-hmm. cutting you open? I probably, right? Like,
0: right. It, It's like wearing a harness when you're rock climbing. Right. Do you think that you're going to fall? No. If if you're a competent (laughs) rock climber, of course you're not expecting that you're going to fall. But you prepare for it because you're going to die if you don't. That's the long and short of it. That's why it's not... I understand that these were one-in-a-century storms that happened in Texas. But those are the reasons that we should be upset. And people, I mean, we say we as people who are just on looking, but people affected by this should be very angry because the regulators and the companies that put these systems in place did not have the people's best interest in heart and people died because of it. Mm -hmm. So we should be upset. So, you know what, Tom, before we get into some of the more zany conspiracies, let's, let's do our ad break. How about that? Let's. So, you know not that we would ever
1: badmouth private corporations on this podcast but let's talk about some private corporations Woo-hoo! and their products
0: Woo! let's go to the shilling corner i don't remember what we're i thought it was the it. shilling hour the shilling hour
1: yeah who knows
0: we're shilling that's all we know
1: back wow those were some great products and or services some
0: great products services or companies until we advertise for somebody who turns out to not be a very great company and then we'll profusely apologize but
1: let's be real if we actually do get multiple ads it'll be for other podcasts (laughs) or but i promise you we'll never take a my pillow ad
0: yeah i don't think we'll have to worry about that for too much longer (laughs) hopefully um We'll cover hydroxychloroquine and martial law in a different episode. We
1: touched on hydroxychloroquine in Oh, yeah, the we COVID did in episodes. the COVID episode. Duh. Yeah, come on, man. I don't know. I don't remember. Or he wasn't, no, he,
0: was, um, he wasn't just hydroxychloroquine. There was something else. It was caster. It was something from like the caster plant, which is super poisonous.
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. I just know. It was something wild. Yeah. Yeah. I try to forget
0: things. I try to forget Mike Lindell. I can't. <laughs> Maybe it's because I sleep on a pillow and he invades my dreams. That's Mike Lindell's plan for world domination. A pillow in every bed to read their minds with. Since apparently this is the political episode, I did see
1: today that he's going to start his own uh, conservative social media platform. And it. the best Reddit comment was, I hope it's called Pillow Talk.
0: <laughs> ah, that's, that's actually very funny. I know, right? Anyway, so... We talked about the real stuff. We talked about the current events. Probably more than you wanted to hear. <laughs> yeah. Probably more than is great for many of our mental health, but these and are important analytics. things. These <laughs> are important things to know about. These are important things to care about. These are important reasons why you should pay attention to what's going on in the world around you so that you can, I mean, the most practical way that most of us can participate is to vote for people who you believe will handle things better than those people handed them in Texas. That, Maybe won't go to Cancun. Um I don't know what you're talking about. I
1: don't know. Also, know. if this is somehow the first time you've heard about any of this, maybe maybe uh
0: increase your media intake, but still listen to us. But you might wanna <laughs> If let us caveat that. If you're not from America, I'll give you a pass, that's fine. Right you don't for Icelandic friends. So But if you are American and you did not hear about that, one, where do you live? I'm and jealous. two, yeah. Yeah. Pay pay some attention. But okay. still listen to us. Um, like and foul. Anyway. Tell your friends. We're going to talk about some of the little more out there ones. This is perhaps what I'm going to talk about mainly here. I'm going to talk about one of the biggest conspiracy theories behind it. And then I'm going to talk about one particular individual that has what you might call a longstanding vendetta against wind turbines. Oh, I wonder who it could possibly be. So first, Tom, what have you ever heard of something called wind turbine syndrome? vaguely yes but fill me in man take me on a ride okay so i imagine many people have probably heard this i knew i had heard about this piece of inform i'm gonna put i'm using air quotes around information um information so wind turbine syndrome is this idea that people float around this theory you might say um yeah, theory loosely. I guess anything's a theory before you prove it out. Yeah. Um Believers claim that living near wind turbines, and near is a very relative term I found. <laughs> Many of these people live at least a kilometer away from a wind turbine that they're talking about. So near and theory are both very relative terms. Yeah. Um they claim living near a wind turbine results in can result in all sorts of health issues. Okay, ranging from dizziness, uh, you know vertigo is another thing that's been thrown around. It is staring loss for too sleep. long. Loss of sleep. <laughs> so you got to spot. What you got to follow one tip on the windmill to not get dizzy. Um,
1: loss of sleep. Okay.
0: Loss of sleep, increased stress. There's also it's many of them are more uh personal like mental health more kind of things like how you feel as opposed to. Okay. My leg is broken now because I live near a windmill. Is so it similar to how it was, this It was, was too pretty and I was walking in my garden and <laughs> I slipped. Um, I just kept looking at it. And I couldn't look away. And then some people have gone as far as to say it can cause cancer. Try when you say some people... No, 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 no. Shh. Spoiler alert. Um, so.
1: Uh, we're sorry, the rest of the world. So.
0: Um, okay. So those are some of the things that people say that can be caused by this. So... Do these people have a reason as to why it happens? Yeah. Okay, so cool, cool, cool. Most of the time, even if... I don't know that many of the people could are, who espouse this could articulate why it happens, but many of the more official sources I could find, the ones that substantiate their claims in any way, they typically state that low-frequency sound waves, um, so even below like the the audible range to a mm-hmm. human um caused by wind turbines are the source of these issues
1: i think i saw a south park episode about that (laughs) i
0: wouldn't be surprised but the noise made people poop their pants (laughs) the brown note (laughs) yeah i've 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 heard of the brown note (laughs) i I don't Uh, but that's i mean that's kind of the concept is which is not unfounded a giant moving object disturbs the air i mean that's the entire point of what they're doing right right, is to have the air induced motion Which, objects that rotate through the air and move through the air can make uh, sound waves happen. They can make pressure waves coming through the air, which is sound. So, it's, I wouldn't say it's a completely un- the cancer thing is ridiculous. But, the other ones, at least there being some effects- there's a line of logic that follows it, at least.
1: Are you sure the cancer thing doesn't make sense? I think <laughs> I got it.
0: So the vibrations shake your chromosomes. Oh, while they're the cells are the dividing. cells get they get all shaken and up and it gets and everything get all mixed confused. up, man.
1: Like when you shake up the bag of uh, Scrabble tiles. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: oh sure. Yeah. Thanks, biology degree. And then you just dump them out, and it spells cancer. Yeah, it does. It's wild. Um, the theory is widely debunked by peer-reviewed research. So Sounds. the one, one of the articles I was looking at, they went, they found over twenty-five independent peer-reviewed studies that looked into these claims. Some of them were like metadata analysis, so they just looked at other sources of data. Others actually collected their own data. Um, and they, what some of the studies did find is that there was some correlation in cases where overall happiness or life satisfaction is self-reported. There was a slight, um, there was a slight correlation between a lower rating on those scales and proximity to wind turbines. Hmm. They attributed most of that to being either, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but it's kind of the inverse of a placebo effect or people that just were upset about a windmill being near them. Right. Um, generally self-reported results are less, we've talked about this before. Self-reported results are going to be less scientifically airtight than, mm-hmm. um, a blind study or some empirical form of data collection. Um, that doesn't have that self-report bias. Do you ever just feel bad
1: for the people after these studies refuting all the stupid stuff? Like, there's yeah, time could be so generated. much better spent.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Like let us handle it, guys.
0: <laughs> so I'm gonna read some quotes from a few of these sources. Uh so this is a quote from the Massachusetts Review. So Ooh. when I'm s i am it was one of the Massachusetts departments of energy or it was okay. it was a state sponsored uh thing. The quote is there's insufficient evidence that noise from wind turbines is directly causing health problems or disease pretty cut and dry there. Um, another one from, I don't remember what this acronym was for, but it's the maybe New Hampshire cause it's NHMRC. Um, we linked to the article. I found all these different, uh, these different peer reviewed studies and you can, you can find them if you wish. Uh, the quote is there is no consistent evidence that noise from wind turbines, whether estimated in models or using distance as a proximity, is associated with self-reported human health effects. Isolated associations may be due to confounding, bias, or chance. So when they say confounding, that would be like other variables that um, were true of an area of people who live around a wind turbine that were causing certain reported mm-hmm. issues. Bias being like what we're talking about, a self-reporting bias as an example of that. And then chance, which is just random happenstance that People who lived near a wind turbine in this case happen to be suffering with these issues. Um, so here's where things get a little a little spicy here, Tom. Spicy. A little spicy. Um, actually, I want to I want to jump real fast here. We're gonna cover this that uh the reverse placebo effect. I think some people called it a nocebo effect, I've heard which I did I didn't, before, I didn't I think. like, so I just went with reverse placebo.
1: I feel like you could just call it a placebo, though. Right? Or does placebo have a positive connotation?
0: I think that's the issue. Is placebo is a uh, a positive effect from no from nothing being different? A nocebo is a perceived negative effect from no. What do we call it a real stimulus? A
1: placebo. Do you like that better? Like a bad no. placebo? No. Both are terrible.
0: Okay. Try harder. Um, a bad so SIBO. This is an article from Nova, which is a publication that's part of the public broadcasting service in um in America. Um, PBS, as you might know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. if you like Clifford, if you liked uh Reading Rainbow, if you like Take Dragon a look. Tales, it's in a book. Cyber Chase, that was a good one. It's Reading Rainbow. Um,
1: Arthur, How did you forget Arthur?
0: <gasps> How did I forget Arthur? I'm upset with myself. I'm mad at you anyway. So, bad Nova, podcast. Um <laughs> This is... I'm going to read a kind of a lengthy quote here from this NOVA article. With no proven biological basis for the reported symptoms, some have have. pointed to the, quote, nocebo effect um, as the cause of the complaints. The nocebo effect is akin to a placebo effect, where an individual's positive perception towards a drug or treatment produces positive results. Except in the nocebo effect, it's negative attitudes and negative results. Um... The idea that a nocebo effect may be driving people's reported problems is backed up by a 2014 study that pointed out that health complaints are more common in areas with the most negative publicity around the alleged harmful effects of turbines. A large-scale population survey survey in the Netherlands found that reports of stress and sleep disturbance were more common in areas where turbines were visible. So meaning specifically where you could see a wind turbine and you know you're next to one. (laughs) But yeah, that's, I found that super interesting. The They did this study where they're like, okay, in areas where people already are either being told worse things about wind turbines mm-hmm. or already have a negative perception on them, people are more likely to report having these issues. That's funny. Yeah. i wonder if they had like
1: people that were closer but couldn't see it and compared it to people farther that could see it. That'd be interesting, you know?
0: Yeah, you could dig into it. I mean, they, they cite where they got this yeah. uh, study from. Yeah. Um, Super, super interesting. The mind body connection. Um, the eye
1: sound wave connection.
0: So, you might be asking okay, if this is all hooey, if this is all a bunch of nonsense, where the heck did this idea come from?
1: I'm not asking that, Trent.
0: So, this is where things get a little spicy and, and a I little conspiratorial. No. So, we're so sorry. This independent website called, or organization called Sourcewatch. They are an independent, uh, organization that tries to find where different sources are coming from. Um, and I'll explain in a second why that's important. But they found evidence that one of the first places to do this, they linked it to a, uh, this organization called the Wabra Foundation. Wabra is a, um, city in Australia. Okay. I don't remember how big I I'm sure I read it at some point. It's at least big enough
1: to have a foundation.
0: (laughs) It's true. So the real spice, the way that the uh, Wabra Foundation presents itself is that it's this organization that Wabra has a wind turbine farm um, nearby. The way that they kind of pitch this whole idea is that it's concerned citizens like Within this limitation that don't want the wind turbine because they're worried about these negative effects that wind turbines can have. When they did a little digging, here's what they found out. This foundation doesn't exist in any physical sense. (laughs) There's no building. The only real address or anything they have is a post office box, a P.O. box. The address. I'm just going to say it if people want to mail bomb them. I don't care. Uh, box number eleven thirty six, South Melbourne, Victoria, and this is obviously in Australia. Thirty two oh five is shared by a woman named Sarah Lowry or Laurie, uh, the Australian Landscape Guardians, and Lowell Resources, a mining investment company owned by Peter Mitchell. This same mm. Peter Mitchell is on the board. For this Wabra Foundation. Ah. Um, Then they did a little bit more digging and they found out that of all the people that are listed on this board, there were between 5 and 10. I don't remember the exact number. The closest, the person who lived the closest to Wabra lived 220 or 122 kilometers, which is about 75 miles away from Wabra. And that was the closest. Many of them lived even farther away than that. That's the destructive potential of windmills right there. Yeah. <laughs> they made a cone all the way to this person's house. Apparently. The farm is growing. So, this preponderance of evidence and other things. Like I said, this guy named Peter Mitchell. I think when I looked at their website, I think the guy recently died, actually. Um, but this guy was heavily involved in the mining industry in australia which you can imagine for many reasons would be against alternative energy because mining is how you get coal coal go in furnace furnace burn coal so for all of these reasons and many more it is highly suggest that this is what is known as an astroturfing foundation uh, astroturfing. Um, used by fossil fuel and mining companies to lobby against wind turbines. Hmm. Astroturfing, I found this really interesting. I didn't actually know exactly what that meant before I did this research. Astroturfing is where um, a company or an interest group will form kind of like a fake front um, for, Im- from which information that they want to spout out um, can be pushed from to give it like a fake sort of legitimacy mm-hmm. or distance it from whatever these people are actually involved with. So to give you an example, say, okay, I, I sell hard hats, Tom. I'm a company. I'm big hard hat. It's I, big hard I hat. make all the hard hats. <laughs> if I give you a message that says I publish this study or I say, Hard hats are essential for every person in America to wear every day because this many people's deaths a year could be prevented if everybody wore a hard hat all the time. Many people would not believe the company selling you a hard hat that this could be true and that everybody should buy a hard hat. But, say, I, as Big Hard Hat, still want this message to come out. So what I'll do is I'll form this fake or I shouldn't say fake but I'll form this organization that really doesn't have any real purpose other than to have a different name
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I'll push have them push that information so they can look like an independent source so that the information has more credibility or at least imagine credibility right and it I mean it kind of works because if you hear this Wabra Foundation not everybody has time to sit there on their computer and research who these people are and what this foundation is that's saying these things
1: so to take it even a step farther mm-hmm. astroturfing right yes it is um
0: related to a grassroots movement where grass is real and it yes. looks like it's coming from people
1: astroturf is fake grass
0: yeah so the metaphor goes pretty deep a grassroots <clears throat> movement is anything that is initiated by right a large se- selection of actual people right so it's not it's not people who work for a company that are serving the interest, it's people who are for some reason affected by whatever's going to happen. Cough, the Tea Party
1: movement and the Koch brothers cough. <laughs> oh, something Spicy. in my throat.
0: Don't Google that. So that that I found was super interesting and kind of conspiratorial, is that the all of these claims <sighs> and there are books out there, oh, there are I'm sure there are scientists, I say that in quotes, that'll tell you until you're they're blue in the face that this is real. And all of it was apparently had a large part in being started by this one foundation that is really not real and has no scientific basis to believe what they're saying.
1: That's also why um, when it's political time, which is probably due to start in like a month here, because I feel like it's always time for another election. <laughs> if you see a commercial from a group that's like, Concerned moms that want to save puppies. I generally assume they're evil and want to right. like, kill all the puppies. Americans
0: for America and Bald Eagles and Democracy.
1: Right, yeah. Just don't mm-hmm. listen to just break, break your T V. Just listen to
0: podcasts. Just listen to podcasts. We're young enough. I don't think they figured out to start putting like harsh political ads in like I don't know, other places that many young people probably Oh man, there go. were a
1: lot of YouTube ones. This oh last see, cycle. I have
0: I have like the premium YouTube because I'm a weirdo, so I don't uh, see any of them.
1: See, I usually don't. If I see it, watch it on my computer, but um, because ad block. But if I watch it on my TV, I learned a lot about Mike Bloomberg and Donald Trump <laughs> in uh, 2020. <laughs> they both oh, went Mike hard.
0: Bloomberg. yeah. Um, great segue you just made, Tom.
1: This is what I was apologizing apologizing for a little early.
0: <laughs> Drum roll! Here's our here's the person that is the the big historical enemy to windmills and you can hear my voice doing that weird thing in a fan because I'm doing the drum roll on my chest. It's the Don, none other than former president Donald Trump.
1: Um, Put some respect on that name. The twice impeached cast member (laughs) of Home Alone 2 lost in New York Donald Trump.
0: The boss in The Apprentice. Um, So Donald Trump for a long time, long before he was ever a political figure, has been very anti windmill. <laughs>
2: so um, stupid.
0: It's why very do we have it's to very dumb. this? It's, we have to because... <laughs> I know
1: we do, but why? What did we do so to So it's Debaris? a
0: very common talking point in any of his speeches and rallies he'll always come back around say that fossil fuels are better and I hate wind turbines and I don't understand them so and coal is beautiful don't just take it from me that he says these things we're gonna we're gonna listen to two clips here from two different occasions um and I'll as always these will be in our link dump in the source our podcast description
1: just skip ahead like five minutes save yourself some no
0: listen it's save yourself it's some something pain. all right devin so here's where we're gonna insert the uh the audio from these
1: devin save me
2: you can do them mean, do the longer one first we'll have a an economy based on wind i never understood wind and i know windmills very much i've studied it better than anybody i know it's very expensive they're made in china and germany mostly very few made here almost none but they're manufactured tremendous if you're into this tremendous fumes gases are spewing into the atmosphere. You know, we have a world, right? So the world is tiny compared to the universe. So tremendous, tremendous amount of fumes and everything. You talk talk about the carbon footprint. Fumes are spewing into the air, right? Spewing. Whether it's in China, Germany, it's going into the air. It's our air, their air, everything, right? So they make these things, and then they put them up. And if you own a house within vision of some of these monsters, uh, your house is worth 50 percent of the price. They're noisy. They kill the birds. You want to see a bird graveyard? You just go. Take a look. A bird graveyard? Go under a windmill someday. You'll see more birds than you've ever seen, ever, in your life. You know, in California, they were killing the bald eagle. If you shoot a bald eagle, they want to put you in jail for 10 years. A windmill will kill many bald eagles. It's true. And you know what? After a certain number, they make you turn the windmill off. That's true, by the way. This is — they make you turn it off after you — and yet, if you killed one, they put you in jail. That's okay. But why is it okay for these windmills to destroy the bird population? And that's what they're doing. I'll tell you another thing about windmills. And I'm not — look, I like all forms of energy. And I think, really, they're okay in industrial areas, like you have an industrial plant, you put up a windmill, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I've seen the most beautiful fields, farms, fields, most gorgeous things you've ever seen. And then you have these ugly things going up. And sometimes they're made by different companies. You know, I'm like a perfectionist. I really built good stuff. And so you'll see, like, a few windmills made by one company, General Electric. And then you'll see a few made by Siemens. And you'll see a few made by some other guy that doesn't have 10 cents, it looks like. So you see all these windmills, they're all different shades of color. They're like, sort of white, but one's like an orange-white. It's my favorite color, orange. And you see these magnificent fields, and they're ruined. And you know what they don't tell you about windmills? After 10 years, they look like hell. You know, they start to get tired. old. you got to replace them. A lot of times people don't replace them. They need massive subsidy from the government in order to make it. No, we're doing it right. We're doing it right. And, you know, our numbers environmentally right now are better than they've ever been before, just so you know. Because I'm an environmentalist. I am. I want the cleanest water on the planet. I want the cleanest air anywhere. I'm
1: in pain right now. All right, number two. This one's even better. I'm in physical pain.
2: So we've ended the war on American energy. The United States is now the number one producer of oil and natural gas anywhere in the world. And that all happened over the last two years. Big difference. Hillary wanted to put up wind. 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 If you if you have a windmill anywhere near your house, congratulations. Your house just went down 75 percent in value. And they say the noise causes cancer. You tell me that one, okay? You know, the thing makes it so no- — and, of course, it's like a graveyard for birds. If you love birds, you'd never want to walk under a windmill because it's a very sad, sad sight. It's like a cemetery. We put a little — we put a little statue for the poor birds. It's true. You know, in California, if you shoot a bald eagle, they put you in jail for five years. And yet, the windmills wipe them all out. It's true. They wipe them out. It's terrible.
0: Oh, dear. Listeners. Tom, how are you feeling? How are you feeling after hearing former President Donald J. Trump talk to inform us about windmills? I'm in pain. He knows. Um, I
1: have so many thoughts. Just let me know when to start going off knows, on many. He knows rants. better than anyone. It is a small planet
0: in a big universe, full of fumes. So as we already talked about, I mean, it's not worth picking through every single thing he said. You don't want to break down his every claims sentence
1: and why it was not true.
0: Many of his claims are unsubstantiatable. As we already covered, there's no evidence that they s- cause cancer or any other um, serious health impacts. They do the one. Uh, let me cover the manufacturing, too. It's hard to make anything. Anything that you make is going to have a carbon footprint. That's why we have to try and make things better. It's a mischaracterization to say that windmills, building windmills is any worse than manufacturing a natural gas plant. That's completely unfounded. It's, it's silly. Um, the one thing he actually did say that's slightly accurate... Um, is that they, oh, Devin cut. We're going to, we're going to go back a little bit. So it's not worth picking through all of his claims unsubstantiated. It's just going to be a whole slog. Few things to pick out. The manufacturing, it costs energy and it costs potentially harmful pollutants to make anything. Saying that windmills are so much worse to build than anything else is a mischaracterization of facts. Um, it's just simply not true. Building a natural gas plant is probably not much better than it's building a
1: worse, now. just based on size.
0: Who knows? Um. Smarter people than us. Right, but it's it would be silly to say that wind turbines are so much worse to make than... If you look at the lifespan of the thing. Yeah, the lifespan of it, a plant, a turbine in a plant is only going to last for so long before you have to
1: build a Well, new I'm just line. saying, too, like, all of the negative... Footprint would be done with the windmill upon completion, whereas a plant is polluting. Right, it's even worse. Yeah, course of its life.
0: So there's that one. Um, you can see. Here's my theory. Mister Donald Trump made most of his money through real estate development. That is primarily his business practice of choice. Whether. How good he is at that or whatnot is a- irrelevant in this case. He paid particular attention to how properties around windmills will tend to go down. And that I do believe because people have these weird notions about windmills and have these irrational hatreds of windmills. I personally think they look kind of cool. I think they're neat also. Um, I wouldn't really care if I lived next to one. But... I I could believe it that property values did fall fifty to seventy five percent is probably ridiculous. I seriously doubt that. Um,
1: About to go buy me some real estate if that's true.
0: Yeah, free real estate. Um, <laughs> as here's my theory, Tom. As a former real estate developer, I think his frustrations with windmills are probably more that it could negatively impact um, property values than any real gripe. With how efficiently, cost-effective, or clean windmills perform.
1: All right, Trent, we're gonna do some live research right here.
0: Ooh, live spicy research
1: because
0: I don't want to misspeak. But I think yeah, I who would want to misspeak at right. a after nationally that, televised, forever recorded event? After that, you know, um,
1: uh, powerhouse of truth and freedom, we just heard. <laughs> He's got more freedom than you've ever seen, Tom. I'm going to read the first two sentences of this uh, BBC article. Okay, BBC. Donald Trump's Abdernshire Golf Resort must pay the Scottish government's legal costs following a court battle over a major North Sea wind power development. Mr. Trump battled unsuccessfully in the courts to halt the project before he became the president.
0: Hmm. Conflict of interest.
1: So, the government of Scotland wanted to put some windmills off the coast of his golf course. I'm sure that's not related at all.
0: <laughs> Couldn't be. That's Scotland, you said? Scotland. Okay, I was going to say, because Ireland is actually has a lot of windmills. Aberdeenshire. I probably said that very wrong. If you're a Scottish listener, come and let me know how, long I, how wrong I said that. Yeah. How about... You know what? If you know somebody in Scotland, share our podcast with them just so they can be outraged with how Tom mispronounced that. Place. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Our our Great Britain listens were from London. It didn't Ooh. let me drill down farther than that. I mean, it's pretty drilled down. Um. Okay, so the only claim I'd say out of any of those that has re- that really holds water, I guess the property value holds a little bit of water, but only because people are mad about windmills for some reason. Um, the one that does hold a little bit of water is birds. Birds. Windmills actually do kill a not insignificant amount of birds every year. Mm-hmm. Um, like we talked about, particularly on these massive windmills, the linear speed that the very edges of the windmills are moving at is so fast that say I'm a little bird flying through the sky. Tweet, tweet. I might see open skies in front of me, and then all of a sudden at 200 miles an hour... (laughs) Yeah. It's like, uh... Who was that pitcher that popped the seagull? Randy Johnson. Yeah. Probably looks a lot like that. Probably. Um... So, you can imagine. Birds do fly into it. It's a new thing that they're... It's definitely not natural, and it moves real quick. Um... So, a few studies here that I found. Um... So studies from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service um, found that wind turbines kill an average of about 230,000 birds a year in North America. Um, And obviously the number grows as you put more windmills. Duh, that's common sense. Um, This other fun statistic is glass windows in buildings kill an estimated... 599 million birds a year. That's so many birds. um, And vehicles, like cars driving, about uh, 214 million birds a year. The same agency, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, also says this. Altogether, the agency estimates that wind turbines are responsible for 1 in 14,000 bird deaths. So that is a small fraction of a percent. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, probably less than the death rate of COVID. Fun fact. Um, so turbines are—they are an additional threat to birds, but are very, very small one comparatively to other things. Can
1: I add on to this bird massacre real quick, sure. though? Because there are ways to avoid this.
0: Oh, we're gonna get oh, there. Are you gonna get that? Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. So this is—I find this really fascinating. A study published in the Journal of Ecology and Evolution found that turbines with one black blade or one blade painted black killed 71.9% fewer birds than standard turbines uh, on the same wind farm. This is so funny to me because this is like such a no brainer. Like, oh, just paint them a different color that the bird. stands out yeah, more so, than the sky. Yeah. Um, so this was all, this particular study was done in the Norwegian Archipelago of Smola. I'm probably saying that wrong. It's got the weird O with the, Ooh, the line through it. I don't know what song that makes. Um, <laughs> researchers found that nearly 500 birds were killed by the site's 68 turbines over a 10-year period. It's a pretty good data set. Pretty good data set. Then in 2013, the team decided it wanted to paint some of the windmills and study the impact in the following three years just six birds were killed by the painted turbines compared to 18 birds killed by the four that weren't painted so all in the same location so you're eliminating that as a variable Mm -hmm. i found that really fascinating that just something as dumb and simple as that can reduce the amount of bird deaths yeah so poor the Don can sleep easier tonight. He doesn't have to worry about crying and setting up a gravestone for the, the birds under a windmill. Can,
1: can I fire another shot at him? Always. He doesn't care about the birds, guys.
0: Like we said, yeah, he's not One interested. of the
1: things he did during his administration was roll back the Migratory Bird Act of 1918 so companies wouldn't be like... like, So say there was a massive oil spill in the Gulf Coast and BP caused it and all those sad birds... They wouldn't be held criminally liable for it because he got rid of that act. So That's fun. He'd not good.
0: Yeah, and his administration also tried, and in some cases successfully, in some cases not, to shrink federal um parkland, basically. Protected areas that company like nobody was allowed to build on, you had to leave it alone. Um they rolled back a lot of that. So the odds are he doesn't care about the birds, guys. He doesn't.
1: There are no tiny bird gravestones.
0: <laughs> Wouldn't that be adorable,
1: though? Kind of. Close I mean, it'd so be sad.
0: in a morbid way. Yes. What if they're seagulls? We could stand to lose a few seagulls. All birds matter. <laughs> All birds matter. Well, I think that was a fun episode. I got to nerd out about wind turbines. It took entirely too long for me to do a long-winded explanation. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sad, sad part, now. The sad part is that explanation of how power infrastructure works is so, like, such a mile-high flyby. Right. You got any other comments about birds or wind turbines that I care about?
1: Not about birds, but I do want to give a shout-out. Oh, yeah, hit me with it. So, this episode, very science-heavy. We've had a couple. If you Mm -hmm. like science... I think we have a YouTube channel you'll like. Ooh! Go check out our good friend Neptunium on YouTube. He makes awesome science content. I'm going to call him friend of the show. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Yeah, so uh, go give him a, give him a view if you like him. Follow him, you know. He I makes have, some awesome videos.
0: I have friends, Mom. I have at least <laughs> two friends that you know about now. Look at that. I have Tom because he can sit in a room long enough to do this podcast with me. And I have Neptunium.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was a... The only thing I had to add besides I'm glad we don't have to listen to that rambling tangerine
0: on a daily basis anymore. <laughs> the Cheeto in chief. Um, in any case, thank you guys so, so much for listening. Tom and I have a blast making this show. We're just happy that, you know, a number of people have listened. Um Please, rate like subscribe what all the things whatever you can do on your particular podcast platform tell your friends tell your friends that Tell your enemies that is key tell anyone if you hate this podcast tell your enemies maybe they'll like it right i mean no they'll hate it tell them to listen um (laughs) but seriously like word of mouth recommendations are the best way to spread spread the word gain more gain more sheeple Add to the herd. Add to the herd. Her flock. The flock. flock. Yeah, yeah sheep remember. are in flocks, right? Hey, we have a name now. We're we're going places. We're <laughs> we're going somewhere. We're going there quick. <laughs> um, and with that, oh, follow us on Twitter. Yeah, we the sheeple pod on Twitter. We have our email, which I don't want to misquote, but it is in the episode description. If you have topics you want us to cover, if you just want to say hey, if you say if you have suggestions, whatever, hate mail. Hate mail, we'll take it at this point. We'll read it at the end of the episode. We'll probably make a filter and put you into the spam folder next time, but that's okay. You'll you'll get your one shot in. There you go. And occasionally I'll read through the spam folder for giggles. But I think that's about
1: it, Tom. I mean, I can think of one more thing. Oh, one more thing. Wake up, people. Wake up. <laughs>